0: Moncrief on News Talk.
1: I don't know you, and we have no dispute.
0: You have enemies now. Rich ones. You can take off those things. We know what they hide. We know who you are. Oh Kyoto is talking about the unnamed samurai who cut through Shindo Dojo. I have a name. No one will ever know it. (gasps) Dojos fight to boost. Warriors fight to kill. That's Blue Eyes Samurai. You can stream all of season one now on Netflix. James Dempsey joins us uh, once again. Afternoon, James.
1: Afternoon,
0: Sean. Wasn't there a Tom Cruise movie where he was a samurai? Is this kind of similar (laughs) territory?
1: Uh, I there, That was the last Samurai uh, and I couldn't tell you anything more about it beyond uh, that it was called that. Yeah. This is uh, um, this is a completely original concept. It comes from a writer named Michael Green, uh, who's probably best known for writing Logan, the kind of standalone Wolverine movie and Blade Runner 2049 and his wife, Amber Noazumi. And it is um, uh, well, it's called Blue Eye Samurai. It's set in the Era of Japan that's known as the Edo era, era when Japan was closed off to the rest of the world. It's it's the 17th century, and we follow a mixed-raced samurai. Her name is Mizu. Uh, she's voiced by Maya Erskine, and she's on this uh, quest for revenge in a proper samurai way. Right? By that I mean she wields. Uh, Quite the blade with particular skill and limbs are being chopped off left, right and centre. And this is kind of a funny one that got buried by Netflix. It was released in November to very little fanfare. And arguably it's one of my favourites of the year. Um, It is really, really, really well made. By that I mean not only is the voice acting absolutely excellent, the action scenes are like dynamic and interesting and uh, very, very exciting. The animation is just really, really beautiful to look at. It's made by a French animation studio called Blue Spirit, whose kind of biggest hit thus far is they made What If for um, Disney, which is kind of like a spin-off for all their Marvel characters. Like, what if Captain America was a woman? What if, uh, you know, they were all zombies? Mm. And uh, this time around, they, they have combined a mixture between 3D animation and 2D animation so I have to admit sometimes it looks a little bit like the cutscene of a computer game on a you know Playstation or something but when they get it right it's just really sumptuous and visually just really breathtaking at times and all in it's a very 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 entertaining and well produced story so there are big names in the cast, right? my Erskine, people will probably know from uh, Pen15. Uh, Darren Barnett was in uh, Never Have I Ever. You also have George Takei, uh, Masioka, who's from Heroes. Uh, but then Kenneth Branagh doing his biggest Irish accent you've ever heard as <laughs> the... The least Irish named person I've ever come across, Abijah Fowler. (laughs) 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 And essentially the story involves Mizu, this uh, mixed race Japanese woman at a time where Westerners were not allowed in the country. So Japan was, you know, isolationist. It had shut off its borders. It was not accepting anyone into the country at all. And there were four white men in the country at the time of her conception uh, that resulted in her being conceived with blue eyes and has grown up, you know, facing this horrendous racism her whole life. People look at her eyes and go, you are this, you know, you are a monster. You are half-blood, et cetera, et cetera. And she, having been so enraged by her whole life, being the subject of terrible racism, is now on a quest to seek out each of the four men who were in Japan at the time because one of them has to be her father and take them all out. And that is essentially Mizu's oh. quest throughout the whole... <laughs> she doesn't, the whole, just
0: one, doesn't want to just find out who her father is. She has to kill them all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I don't think 23 and Me existed quite back then uh, for her to do you know an accurate DNA test so the plan B seems to be the, the most efficient way of getting to the getting to grips of it but we follow her on this kind of uh, quest for revenge and it, there's more added in throughout the process so she picks up in the first episode uh, you know a, a, a protege who wants to follow in her footsteps he's a, kind of the bumbling relief of the whole thing she also encounters another uh, guy f- from her past who's a who is himself a samurai in training who they end up having a you know, pretty violent battle against each other. And then there's a princess who is the fiancé of said uh, samurai and she wants to escape her own kind of uh, future that is inescapable because of being a woman at the time. So we follow these four different kind of main characters throughout various different uh, episodic adventures going from one quest to another. And it's really violent. Like, I mean, <laughs> when I say, when I, like, this is like, you know, it is like Quentin Tarantino-esque in terms of its level of blood and gore. You know, it's like something out of Kill Bill at one point where Mizu is taking on literally scores and scores of people and taking them down with, a, a you know, a swipe of her sword. But what I liked about it was although there's a bit of kind of like supernatural, you know, she's almost like supernaturally brilliant samurai. I felt it was one earned by the backstory that they give her. And two, uh, it was uh, like, at least they make her fallible by that. I mean, she's also getting stabbed <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, like, and and suffering uh, great damage throughout each of her bouts and then soldiering on through resolve and grit and, and kind of spunk. And I just all in, I thought it was really, 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 really good. If you have any patience at all for adult animation, this is one of the year's best.
0: Right, Okay, But it sounds like, from what you're saying, you'd have to maybe be an animation fan to be attracted to this.
1: I would say you have to be willing to to give it a go. Certainly, right now we have gone through a very good year for adult animation. Between this, um, Invincible returned, although it's on a break till twenty twenty four, and uh, there are other. I mean, there are you know there are other adult shows as well on Netflix, particularly in line with kind of Japanese anime style. There was a show called Pluto out, uh, last month, which was also very very well received, and uh, HBO uh, is pushing its own animation for adults. It's going through a bit of a, a uh, you know a time at the moment and if you've ever considered yourself as maybe I'll give it a go now is a good chance to jump on the bandwagon
0: Okay right that, that's uh, Blue Eye Samurai maybe not the, uh, the most Christmassy of, of TV shows the <laughs> no. next was, uh, certainly is Hannah Waddingham Home for Christmas you can stream now on Apple TV Plus here's the clip
1: Sleigh bells ring Oh God Oh I don't I can go back out
0: Of course you can You can do anything You're Hannah Waddingham
1: Father Christmas is that you?
0: No It's me. Your old friend, Brett Goldstein.
1: BG, where are you? I'm behind you. What? I had no idea there was a hot tub in here. Yeah,
0: I put one on your rider.
1: Why, excellent.
0: What are you worrying about?
1: Your dress? I look sensational. Your hair? Have you seen it? So what is it? Well... We've just been giving such killer vocals all night. I'm worried that we're going to melt the audience's faces off. And you know I'm scared of skulls. Yeah, it's the first thing you ever told me. Right? You're not going to melt their faces. You're just going to melt their hearts. Because you've got the voice of an angel and you're the world's greatest entertainer. You just need to relax. Get in. What? Get in. <laughs>
0: OK, James, so it begs the question, who is Hannah Waddingham?
1: <laughs> well, Hannah Waddingham is the statuesque uh, star of Ted Lasso. She's you know the female lead of Ted Lasso. They kind of uh, uh, antagonist in episode one, and then happy biscuit eater seemingly in every episode after that. And uh, she, before she was in Ted Lasso, you, her biggest role was you know uh, ringing a bell saying shame, shame, shame in uh, Game of Thrones. And before that, she cut her teeth on the West End stage and on Broadway stages as a musical theatre star and has post Ted Lasso gone on to present the Eurovision and that's about as much of of her CV as I can really delegate to you. So she is this, shall we say, blonde bombshell musical theatre actress and because Ted Lasso is a huge property for uh, Apple and they want to, you know, not fill their schedules but get get some eyeballs on their uh, content for Christmas, they obviously approached her with this idea of putting together a little Christmas review, spectacular, etc. Now it is, it is as thinly put together as any of these I have ever seen because these are kind of, you know, these come along every couple of years. There's already been one on Apple TV already with Mariah Carey. I think it's Mariah Carey's Magical Christmas. There was one got nearly 10 years ago on Netflix, A Very Murray Christmas with Bill Murray. And they are, you know, thin, you know, they are, they, they, they revolve around a star They have them sing a few Christmas standards and then they piece together bits with kind of uh, a vague plot. And the plot here is nothing, right? We have Hannah Waddingham in the theatre in London. She's telling us about how she, uh, as a child, used to come and watch her mother perform. Her mother was in the UK National Opera. And then she has brought back friends from Game of Thrones and friends from uh, Ted Lasso, more so because I suppose they're contractually... I don't know if they're contractually obliged, but certainly it seems more so than the Game of Thrones people. And they come on stage and they sing a song and uh, they do a few bits of comic relief off off stage in the wings. And all in, I think, whether or not you're going to like this will depend on how much affinity you have for Hannah Waddingham. Now, she is a, a... Pespian, right? She's a musical theatre fanatic and star. So can she sing? You betcha she can sing. Can she huff it? Absolutely. Does she squeeze herself into a dress and comment about this four times? Definitely. Are the comic relief interludes any good? Yeah, they're okay, right? Yeah. But the whole <laughs> but the whole thing. The whole thing comes in at 40 minutes. So it okay. is, it's a very quick one and done. And if you're looking for something while you're wrapping your Christmas presents that you want a bit of festive cheer with, you know, you'll do fine.
0: Yeah. Okay. It sounds, yeah. It's a kind of, I don't know if there's a name for a program like this, but there have been many iterations of it oh, going back to the, the kind of cheesy Christmas special. Type
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. It, and like, okay. yeah, it's kind of funny, the ones with Silla Black from the 1980s have become a meme again mm. uh, of recent years due to kind of how cheesy and silly they are. And these uh, Apple ones are obviously, I mean... It, cheese isn't kind of what they're going for, uh, but but they're, it's kind of funny. I don't know if in the stream, in the era of streaming, we have this concept of like the Christmas special anymore, you know, as in, will people be tuning into this year in, year out when they're, you know, eating mince pies over mulled wine? I doubt it, but for the moment, while Hannah Waddingham's kind of currency with Ted Lasso remains, why not make the most of it? Yeah.
0: And, and, um, so but it's obvious that the plot is that she is on a stage in London.
1: Exactly., yes. yeah, so she okay. And there's a live audience and they're watching and uh, they're you know, and, and it's literally going from song to song to song with the threadbarest connective tissue in between.
0: Right. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> it, it is what it is. right. Our final show today is uh, the doll Factory. You can stream all episodes now on Paramount Plus and here's a clip. Is this it?
1: Yes. Imprisonment of Gigamar's queen. Shall I tell you the story? It's tragic, deeply romantic. She, the queen, she's held captive by a jealous husband. But she falls in love with a man named Gigamar. And when they're discovered, they knot each other's clothing in such a way that only their lover knows how to untie, so that when they meet again, they know one another to have stayed true.
0: How how did you
1: Oh we use a different technique to what's taught at the Academy? Vivid colours painted on top of a wet white background. We aim to bring a reality to our paintings.
0: Then why do you paint knights and princesses and maids? If your ambition is reality, surely you should paint something real. There's plenty to inspire you in London. No shortage of starving children or wronged women. Right, so is this kind of spooky Victorian London type territory?
1: this is spooky victorian london with dublin fulfilling the uh the production role of, of london because you'll see if you're familiar with dublin castle i think parts of it were filmed around trinity college as well you will recognize uh some of the background and in addition to some of the uh, settings we provided some of the actors as well in the shape mostly of um Aina Hardwick who's been having a very 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 good year he he plays Silas he was previously in uh, the Sixth Commandment earlier this year with Timothy Spall a very 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 good and grim drama on BBC and uh, also Searsha Monica Jackson who most people will know as Aaron from Derry Girls who has a smaller role in this than her leading role in that which should, should have gotten her but I'm glad to see her getting work nonetheless so it stars Esme Creed Mill uh, Miles who is uh, the daughter of Samantha Morton and Whoever Mr. Creed Miles is, I forgot to write that bit down. <laughs> she plays, she plays Iris, who is uh, this orphan twin in Victorian London, 1850 London, who is uh, who paints doll faces for uh, for a, for a for a woman who's not very nice, shall we say? And she dreams of becoming an artist in her own right and going off and doing things, but because she's a woman, society just will not uh, allow her to do that without uh, great financial support, and she has nothing. And instead, she catches the eye of Aina Hardwick's Silas, who is a oddball taxidermist, and also the eye of another artist. He's played by, uh, he's Louis. Uh, He's played by George Webster, who's one of these like pre-Raphaelite brotherhood painters who wants her to pose for him. And it all becomes very uh, gothic and uh, romantic and then murderous around episode two. And all in, it's a six part drama. Uh, for me, it moved just a little too slow. You know, I I, I, I just felt they could have uh, sped up the process a little bit because we kind of all vaguely know where it's going. But I am led to believe, although I haven't gotten to episode six yet, that it does all come together quite uh, satisfactorily at the end. But what you get here is nice costumes, good performances, a bit of kind of like uh, not quite bodice ripping, but uh, the the threat of bodices being ripped at any point and then throats being ripped the next scene. So you kind of, it'll keep you on your toes, but um, not for very long.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. so uh, not a reason then to take out a Paramount Plus subscription.
1: I would say the problem, that's kind of Paramount Plus's problem, right? They do have a huge hit in the shape of Yellowstone and let's say the extended Yellowstone uh, cinematic universe, right? Of which there are several spin-offs, and I think even more to come possibly. Um, They put a lot of money into this kind of weird show, The Curse, which is interesting, but almost just too uncomfortable to be enjoyable. Um, And then they had their Fraser reboot. But again, I don't hear much cultural conversation about that, to be honest with you. It's kind Mm -hmm. of, it was a bit of a, like the week it came out yes and then nothing really since then uh they in fairness this is a you know i want to give them the credit this is an irish made production so it has kept obviously irish uh filmmakers and tv producers etc in a job last year and that should be supported but uh this is more something to use your free trial to watch rather than get out the money for
0: yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not a rave then. So they need they need a hit then, really, don't they? They
1: uh... they just yeah they need that crossover hit that they haven't just got yet. Like what they have, I guess, at, at their you know going for them is they have their existing IPs. By that they have their Star Treks. They have uh, well, uh, and the, all of the Paramount back catalogue. And what I always say is, I have no doubt, but that there was there is going to be, you know, a Top Gun TV series at some point because that's such a hit for them. But they just haven't managed to quite, because uh, they were so late entering the, you know, the streaming wars that they haven't quite managed to even find their own voice in it yet.
0: Yeah. So, those three shows were Blue Eye Samurai. You can stream all of season one on Netflix. Hannah Waddingham Home for Christmas. You can stream now on Apple TV Plus. And The Doll Factory. You can stream all episodes now on Paramount Plus. James Dempsey, thanks a million. Thank you. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.